I'm going to do something uh, a little bit different before we begin uh, our message today. I'm I'm going to give you a little preface uh, of something, uh, preface to something, and that is the fact that as we have been praying for and and we're getting closer and closer uh, to the time in which we'll be having a new pastor and family here at uh, our church and uh, uh, we are praying for that, and the Lord is is blessing our team, and things are moving along. Well, one of those things that that entails is it's moving along quicker than in some ways that we think. And I started trying to figure out, how is this going to work? Am I going to be able to finish Luke? And uh, so, bottom line is this. Yes, we are, but I'm going to have to tweak it a little bit and put a little extra uh, baggage on uh, uh, so that we can get through because, and I'm going to be basically trying to take three sections each time. So we're kind of ramping it up, speeding up higher level, uh, but still going through except a couple of places where we've already basically gone over. Luke is, it tends to be a little bit along the, uh, the, the side of which he says sometimes things several times, and he's, we see several places already. And so I've left out a couple of those uh, places, and we're, but we're going to get the real run-up all the way to Easter, and we'll finish at Easter, God willing. So that's just to tell you that's the plan. And by the way, it's also going to be looking a little bit different. Instead of me reading the whole amount of our passage we're going to be, like I say, doing more uh, sections and trying to in threes. And so instead of doing them all and reading them, I'm going to read the first section and then proceed and, and exposit it and then read the section and exposit it and then read the last section. So that just gives you a sense and an idea of what we're doing and why things are a little bit different than the way I'm approaching this now. So hope you enjoyed your preface. All right. Today, we resume our consecutive expository series in none other than the Gospel of Luke. And now, we enter the third last section of Luke's Gospel. Uh, This is now, as Jesus is coming up and to Jerusalem, where this text takes place today. When he, the last section of Luke's Gospel... Uh, but interestingly, the last section is set during the last seven days of Jesus' life. And so he's been out there for almost three years, and yet this whole third section is all going to be encompassed in one week. A very, very eventful week. And so, having left Jericho at our last time, remember we broke uh, for, obviously, for Advent and for Christmas. Well, now we're back at this third section and beginning to undertake it. And the week begins, having left Jericho, Jesus is on the way up to Jerusalem. Remember I told you, it is a long, arduous climb to go all the way from down in Jericho, all the way up to Jerusalem. And the week begins with Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem during, of all things, the Passover week. 
the most holy and most absolutely filled with activity is the Passover. The city was a buzz with activity, uh, probably swelled at, at that time anywhere from three to four times perhaps the size that Jerusalem would have normally been. That's how, how packed as, as pilgrims came from all directions to the holy city. Now, traditionally, we call Jesus' entry into the holy city the triumphal entry. And of course, uh, the interesting thing is the, this event is so important, it is recorded in all four Gospels. There are, not, there are a lot of things that are not maybe mentioned by two or by three or by one, but in this case, all four Gospels have a, a version of the triumphal entry. So today, the text that I'm calling is the arrival. The arrival is at hand. And now we're going to read our scripture reading uh, in verses 28 through 40. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethpage in Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you and where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus' triumphal entry. You see, when Jesus and his disciples finally reached the top of the Mount of Olives. He sent, as you heard in the reading, two of his disciples to procure a donkey colt on which Jesus would use to ride in 
to the city in his procession in Jerusalem. Now, the, the route or that would have been taken from where Jesus was when he came up from Jericho all the way up the mountain to the two areas near the Mount of Olives on the, on the east side, Bethpage and Bethany. As he came to those, he would have taken the road from the Mount of Olives past Bethpage and down through the Kidron Valley, very deep valley, before you would go up again to Jerusalem and through the gate, the east gate, the golden gate as it's sometimes called. Now when the two disciples ended up returning on their journey that the master had sent them on, the people began to spread their blankets on a path and they hoisted Jesus up on this colt. And as the procession continued, the people began to chant and chant louder and louder. Matter of fact, the chanting was probably antiphonal. You know what antiphonal is? It's, it's basically when you, you, this was used a lot in medieval times, and you'd hear this boom, 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 it would be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This would be, and then there would be the other side, and then it would be this side, and then it would be the other side. This was an antiphonal response to their Lord. And as the procession continued, the people began that chant. Now, notice what is also taking place in that procession in verse 39 through 40. Let me read it again to you. And it says, And some of the Pharisees and the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, If these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus is saying, if they don't, these stones, the rocks all around here are going to reverberate the truth of who I am and why I have come. There is no stopping Jesus now. For a long time. Jesus has been waiting for the right moment, but that moment is now, and the moment of for the which he came into this world, and there is no power in heaven or on hell that is going to stop or change or alter that. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, Jesus enters triumphantly, but he is not received triumphantly, as we will soon see. If you look at John's account, as Jesus is going up and his followers in procession, very soon he's going to turn aside and there are others that are coming down out of Jerusalem through the gate but with a very different agenda. They're coming after Jesus. 
They're trying to get their hands on him already. And they're trying to confuse the crowd. And so, that is coming. And then that's exactly where Luke takes us. Now, he begins to point us. As Jesus continues to come down the mountain, point to the temple, that is going to be his destination. And Jesus does something that he has done already once before. And in his heart, no doubt many times, he weeps over Jerusalem. That's in verse 41 through 44. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Wow, that is heavy. As the parade moved toward Jerusalem, Jesus came to a ridge that gave him a cinematic panorama view of the city. And Jesus began to sob and weep in cries of lamentation. His heart was going out to a people that had been stiff-necked And rejected him. And yet his heart. Was still full. Of grief. At what would come. It had already had been sealed. It already remember in the last account. We've already seen. The language. But Jesus and and. Chapter in Luke chapter 19, verse 27, it says, But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, he's talking about him to be their king as he should have been. He says, Bring them here and slaughter them before me. In other words, judgment has already come, it has already been sealed. Because of their stiff-necked rebellion. The same as in the prophets had to deal with hundreds of years before. Now the ultimate prophet is here. And they will not receive him. And they will not reject him. And yet Jesus is not in any way trivializing that. His heart is broken 
The Son of Man is weeping for a terrible judgment that is to come. Jesus mourned the destruction of the city because the people within it were unrepentant and would reject him. Now, obviously, there were many. He wasn't talking to the followers, the ones that had their faith and believed in him. But to those that thought they were in control. But they were doing it their way. And their way was going to end up in a terrible ruin. You see, in time, an instrument would be used. The Roman soldiers fulfilled Jesus' prophecy in AD 70 when the city was utterly torn down and not even a stone as Jesus prophesied was left unheaved. Now why? You see, when we face a judgment that is just and God is gracious and merciful but he is also just and righteous and holy. And if he is not received and what he offers is rejected It is an awful and horrible thing what will come. Listen to this quote by I. Howard Marshall talking about this judgment that is coming of which Jesus is not laughing. He's weeping and sadness of heart. This is what Howard says. There is a sudden change of mood as Jesus utters a sorrowful prophecy over the city spread before him. He longed that it might repent and seek what would be for its own good. How little did the city of peace, Hebrews 7, 2, live up to its name. It was supposed to be the city of peace and there was no Peace being given in that city by its leaders. The time would come when it would be besieged in a typical manner of ancient warfare. A barricade would be built around it to prevent anybody coming or going in order to starve the inhabitants into submission. Then the enemy would force their way in and capture it with tremendous cruelty and loss of life. All this would happen because the people had failed to recognize that God was coming to it and longing to save it. You see, what is Jesus talking about when he uses that phrase? You did not, listen to verse 40, he answered, I tell you, excuse me, in, I'm sorry, in verse, in verse 44, 
And he says, and they will tear down to the ground and they will not leave on one stone upon another in you because, here's the reason, you did not know the time of your visitation. Visitation. Now, what does that mean? What is Jesus essentially saying? He's saying, I am God. And I have come to visit you. And you have rejected me. You've done it to the prophets before me. You're now doing it to me. He will either come to visit you and to make his blessings known and redeem you from your sins. Or, he will visit upon you the just penalty of your own unbelief. Those that trusted him, it was the former. Those that were in charge and trying to destroy him. The very God that came to bring salvation is now hindering and must be removed Judgment day has come. It is near at hand. And Jesus would, during the, the, this last section, he would say much about that. You see, in Matthew, his gospel, 23, verse 37, listen to this. This is not the first time and the only time Jesus wept. Jesus wept more than once for a people that had become stiff-necked and would not respond to the overtures of grace that he came to bring. But Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 37, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I would have longed to gather you and gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. And you were not willing. Do you see? It's not that they didn't have a chance. No, they did. They did not choose it. They were not willing. And judgment day would come. That's reflected in the beautiful hymn that I love so much. How sweet and awful is the place. In the third verse, it says, Why was I made to hear thy voice and enter while there's room when thousands make a wretched choice and rather starve than come you see that's the heart of Jesus why would you starve 
I'm offering you life, the bread of life. Come to me, drink from me, eat my bread, my body. Take me to be your savior. And yet, they decided, no, we'll do it our way. We'll make it just fine, Jesus. It's time for you to get out of the way. Oh, my friends, what a terrible, terrible judgment to come. And for those that say, well, I just don't think that's fair. You need to remember something about judgment. Remember the doors of hell are locked on the inside. They are locked on the inside. Who's holding the door shut? Those who have rejected and rather starve than come. Now Jesus cleanses the temple is the last section, verses 45 through 48. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. And the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do. For all the people were hanging on his words. You see, Jesus now has business to conduct with the temple. By the way, it's his temple. He's got the right because he is the temple, the true temple. That's just a reflection that can be seen from the outside. It's Business now that Jesus is conducting with the temple. And the area of the temple appointed for the Gentiles to worship God had become a den of thieves rather than a place of prayer. Jesus had come and he tore the place apart. And Jesus then proceeded to put the temple to its proper use. Teaching. Teaching the word of God daily. But all this, remember, all this was done amid increasing opposition. You heard it in the, in the, just a few moments ago. There was opposition from the authorities, the temple authorities, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, all of these religious leaders that were opposed 
to Jesus at every turn. This, the religious leaders were poised to pounce on Jesus and have him killed. But what happened? Why couldn't they do it? That's what they were planning to do. That was their intent. But what happened? Their hands were tied as Jesus was surrounded by this growing crowd of fans who listened intensely to his every word. Listen, verse 48. For all the people were hanging on his words. Brothers and sisters, that's what we should be doing all the time. Hanging on to the words of life, to the words of our Lord Jesus. His words are life. That's what you and I should be doing regularly, often. The religious leaders, though, would have to wait for now. Stay tuned next week. Let's pray. Oh, Father, what a sad commentary of those who should have come to the feast and joined. Father, so many would rather starve than come. And that wasn't true just in those days. It's true of our days. So many that want to do it their way instead of following the way the truth, and the life that is your Son. Father, Lord, help us hang on, cling to the words of life, wonderful words of life. Father, we ask this. It will be true of many, many more that will turn from their own way and turn to trust in the living way of Jesus, the Savior of sinners. Father, may we see you continue to use this church to that end, to be a place that carries forth the gospel and beholds forth the beautiful news, the good news. Father, we pray and we ask this in Jesus' name, our Savior. Amen.